One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon and Time, is back for another round. This season, we're diving deep into some of McCartney's most beloved songs. Yesterday, Band on the Run, Hey Jude. And McCartney's favourite song in his entire catalogue, Here, There and Everywhere. Listen to Season 2 of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. For years, The Armed were this really well-loved hardcore band, but no one knew who they were. Like, they would lie about who was in the band, and it was very mysterious. For the first time ever, they've come clean about who they really are, and that big reveal is accompanied by one of the best punk albums of the year. So you're going to hear from one of the actual members of The Armed, I think, to tell you who they really are. That's coming up on Q. Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. If you're a fan of heavy music, then there's a good chance you know about The Armed. Their 2021 album, Ultra Pop, which you're hearing a little of right now, was near the top of most of the end of year lists, especially in the hardcore world. So that song is called All Futures, and it really broke the band open all around the world. But even if you didn't know their music, in fact, even if like you're listening to this right now and it's really not your thing, the armed are really interesting because for all that acclaim they were getting, we didn't know who they were. That's because for years, the armed has been purposely non-forthcoming about their identities. They used stand-ins in photo shoots. They misled journalists with aliases and a universal quasi-fictional leader named Dan Green. A handful of the members of the band physically transformed for their last record, like put in this fitness regime and changed their appearance so they all became bodybuilders. Nobody really knew who the armed were and what was fact and what was fiction. But for the brand new album, Perfect Saviors, they decided to finally come clean with who exactly is in the armed. And on top of that, they put aside a lot of that hardcore you've just been listening to with more like melodic pop music. This drama might tortured brow. Am I a caricature? So let me do a little bit of spoiling. Um, the Armed is a real band. Who's in it? Kind of everybody. Uh, in addition to the core group of musicians who make up the band, who are from Detroit, their new album features members of Queens of the Stone Age, Jane's Addiction, M83, Boy Genius, Mets, even a video cameo from Iggy Pop. Over 100 artists have been associated with The Armed over the years. 
And if you're listening to this right now, you should check. You might be in the arm, too. Perfect Saviors is out now. I was joined by their singer and, I guess, creative director of The Armed. His name used to be called, uh, his name was Adam Villelli. But his real name, I think, is Tony Wolski. Here's our conversation. How are you? Great. How are you doing, Tom? I feel kind of weird saying all that stuff in front of you, but it is kind of the, it is kind of the, you know what I mean? (laughs) It's a thing, yeah. <laughs> it is. How are you doing with the with the talking about the the thing? It's cool, man. I mean, we've been we've been doing it for a while. Just typically, uh, you know, in the past, you know, we would stick to, uh, oh, something's wrong with our video connection. Can we do this over phone or like you know something <laughs> like that? My, my, you know, basically, if you ever watch catfishing <laughs> or catfish, rather, uh, that we, we've been using the same techniques to get out of like people seeing us. Then we would just identify self-identify as Dan Green and kind of call it a day, you know. But for the first time ever, we're just kind of pulling it back a bit because it was starting to become the the functionality of that anonymity was just to kind of like keep it so that it was uh this big open-ended project you know this big collaborative yeah. sort of free for all and also so that you know we started this when we were very very young and you're just trying to keep ego out of it you know what i mean so like you, you, you who is the armed the armed is the armed that's the end of the conversation you don't always anticipate okay 14 years from now when the new york times is asking you about something what you know what i mean <laughs> what's the fallout going to be for that you don't really think that far ahead but what what had happened over the last few years especially with ultra pop was that like the this thing that was created so that no one would focus on our individual identities made everyone solely focus on our individual identities. Oh, that's so you know interesting. Yeah, so so the you, the the um what I'm referring to as deception was sort of like protection of the art. Like, hey, we yeah. want to make this art. We don't want people to focus on who's making it and the egos and the story of who's making it. But then because of that, the story because we didn't have access to that, the story did become Who's making it? Who exactly. are these people? Who are their lives? Because early on, you know, we've always done a thing where it's like, you know, the person who's saying on the record might not be the person who's saying at the show because it was just this very open-ended kind of collaborative thing. You know, it, it takes a village sort of thing. You know, whoever's yeah. the best to do whatever we wanted is, is who we got to do it. And we didn't want people to have those convert. We were trying to, like, basically make our own rules of engagement for the art, which is like, you know, you see people now talking about, like, uh, Josh Freese playing with the Foo Fighters and he plays Everlong too fast. And it's just a lot of kind of stupid commentary in my opinion, you know what I mean? Of people who, who are, you know, hobbyists at best making the comments on the, on these things. And our, our our whole thing with the armed was like, let's just get rid of that. The armed is the armed and that's it. We're not going to wear masks. We're not going to do whatever, but um, we'll just not really ever list people. And that'll be that. And then over time, it just became so confusing. And I think people got very imaginative and very creative with what they thought it could possibly be. Yeah. That then every article about us was mostly focusing on like how to solve that, you know, and and, and, and so there was more scrutiny on individuality because of this thing that we made to yeah. eliminate individuality from, from the equation. It, it also became a thing where, frankly, you know, I've been saying this a lot, like a superpower of age is you stop giving a shit about certain things. And uh, 
what has been cool is that things that we would have considered corny in the past are now I I don't care I don't care what anyone thinks uh, about anything we do I just want to be as sincere as possible about it and when you're telling people that you're trying to be as sincere as possible and you're like by the way my my name is Adam Vallely and you know what I mean you're burying it in all these untruths you kind of become an unreliable narrator mm. so the 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 thing with perfect saviors is that like the network of what the band is is bigger than ever so we've reversed we we reversed engineered anonymity by just making it so hard to understand anyways <laughs> that it has become anonymous again because like you said in the intro you know there's i i couldn't even tell you every single person on every song and i was there when they were all recorded you know what i mean there's yeah. just a lot of people participating so our thing was like we're still always going to say the armed is the armed yeah but then here's the performers on this one and you know dig yeah. into that as you will But when you started, was the goal just like all of us, just getting together and making music, trying to play shows? Was that the goal off, off the top? That's not just the goal then, it's the goal now. You know what I mean? When, but believe it or not, when you start an anonymous art hardcore collective with you know dozens of collaborators, it's not the easiest thing to get rich off of. <laughs> <laughs> It started because my cousin Kenny and I were playing music together as kids and liked playing and that's it. You know what I yeah. mean? And then we would and then I was playing another punk band, so I talked to the guys in that band, my old band Slicer Dicer, who basically made up like the majority of the original lineup of the arm, if they wanted to play music, and that was it. And we would we didn't have any money, so we would go to uh you know, we couldn't record properly. So this was in like 2008, 2009. So home recording has changed drastically in, in a decade and a half. And uh we contacted Kurt Ballou, who was my favorite, you know, producer at the time. He's the guitarist in Converge. He has a legendary studio called God City Studio. And I basically just punished the hell out of him with, a, you know, I think he could see that I was incredibly driven, you know, and that we wanted to figure out how to do this. We can't come to the studio and record for a couple of weeks. We can't afford that. So we came up with this plan to record remotely, which, again, at the time was pretty crazy. He was going to like reamp a lot of the guitars in his studio make them sound better we didn't have any money for gear so we would um bring my laptop and a, a recording interface uh to guitar center and <laughs> so for sorry for canadians would... guitar center is like long and mcquade it's like a guitar shop slash gear shop slash you can buy a bass and like picks and maybe even like an old violin there or like a, a right or something like but, that. but it's like it, it's it's the corporate it's the walmart one so the employees there don't care enough to really stop you from doing <laughs> stupid things so we would come in with a interface and be like yeah i really want to try that like we would want to do like a whammy solo and we don't have a guitar with a Floyd Rose. So we would go get like a $3,000 Zach Wilde Les Paul and we would go in that little glass room, you know, the soundproof room, and we would just quickly set up all our shit and we would just record until they kicked us out in Guitar Center, in an active Guitar Center during working hours and never bought any anything. And um, the, th the funny thing is, is like, we are literally still the same band, <laughs> like it, it, except that now it's like okay, there are some resource resources available, but when we're out of money, 
you know, uh, Justin Meldal Johnson, who played bass on this, like hitting him up. We don't have any more money to finish, but we have a bunch of shit to record. So can we come to your house and record there? It's like we're still doing the same thing. It's just at a much higher level now. You know what I mean? But it's still just like trying to stretch everything to its absolute limits and make something that is you know as as unbelievable as it can be for for a band so niche and, and so of our size you know what i mean just something that feels like the scope is is kind of big and cool and weird and confusing i'm tom power you're listening to q so you're listening to my conversation with tony wolski from the band the armed it's kind of hard to overstate how quickly they've evolved from being a hardcore thrash band to releasing one of the best like arena rock albums of the year. In the next part of our conversation, I wanted to hone in a little on that. Like why the sudden shift in genre? And what we did, we used two, I mean, pretty extreme examples of their music to illustrate that. Here's the rest of our conversation. And we start out by playing a snippet of a song from their 2021 album, Ultra Pop. Okay, so, I mean, we're going to do some extremes here, but this is a track off the new record. Take a listen to this. <laughs> it is, again, sort of the extreme version of that. Uh, so that's off of Perfect Saviors. That's Liar 2 from The Armed. Uh, Tony Wolski's my guest from The Armed. But we're only talking like two years in between the release of those two songs. Can you walk us through the journey from what the, I guess the song we heard first to the song we heard second? We've been trying to uh, basically make a commentary on uh, the concept of, like you were talking about, niche and, and subgenre is in, in our, by our estimation, sort of like outmoded by how people consume and get their art nowadays. Um a while ago, things subgenres existed because things existed in a regional context, you know, or and, and they were they were very very isolated pockets of crazy specific things happening. And now, you can basically call on ninety nine point nine percent of recorded uh, art, you know what I mean, from a device that most of us have at all times to see it. So, in that regard, the the um, religiosity of of subscribing to a subgenre rings of inauthenticity you know what i mean to me it's it's not because you grew up in it and it's this tradition it's like all of us can be exposed to all of these things at all times why is it not fair game you know i I think i understand what you're saying so that like say if you were like say if you were into rock but you yeah. grew up making music around Athens, Georgia in like the late 80s. Regionally, that's what the REM was happening there. And so yes. regionally, bands would be interacting with one another and organically would create a subgenre, which we now know as like the Athens college rock sound. It happened, yep. it happened organically. Now, if you are assigning yourself to a subgenre with the, with the uh, availability of music uh, at your fingertips like we've never seen before, it's not entirely authentic because you don't need to do it. You can make whatever music you want. 
and likely are to an extent you're not. You know, you're 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 listening to these other things, and then you're you're basically saying that these things are verboten. You know what I mean? For for some reason, because it doesn't gel. And um, now, don't get me wrong. There's an aesthetic, you know, reason to why you could make those yeah. arguments. But our whole thing is trying to. I think heavy music in general, which is you know my fa- I like music that uh, there's a physicality there's a you know idea that it's semi-dangerous or something like that that you're breaking the rules so i like that stuff but it's funny when you're you know the thing that you got into that's breaking the rules is the most religiously fervent you know like 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 strict about no 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 you do this or this or this that doesn't gel with what uh the most important part of punk culture to me which is just the the attitude you know what i mean so our thing has just been trying to, particularly in heavy music, find ways to integrate. And, you know, again, the the example is probably the most shocking of those two clips. But it's like, I think we've tried to do a way where it makes sense. You know what I mean? What we're trying to integrate and open people up to and saying maybe these things aren't um, off limits. some level i think that's what everyone's doing i mean the, the queens guys you know the queens of the stone age we just went on tour with them and that that's always been long their thing it's like isn't that the bare minimum of what it takes to be a band shouldn't the the bare minimum of being a band being like you're providing something new for people and i think there's something interesting in hardcore and in heavy music where a lot of times it's not it's trying to make the perfect venn diagram center of all the coolest things you know what i mean but that fits perfectly for everyone who yeah. likes that thing um we're not we're trying to 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 to, to poke and prod and make you a little uncomfortable how was it for you how was it for you creatively like how did you find singing how did you find writing melodies how did you find writing sort of pop music yeah well i mean a lot of us are um kind of music n- nerds yeah. you know what i mean like like uh we come from you know like I, I was always in jazz band and marching band and pit orchestra and orchestra. And so it's like a lot of this stuff was just stuff that was in our vocabulary the whole time. And like I said, it's almost like you had a uh, a regulator on the engine, you know what I mean, prior to this. And a lot of this has been fun to remove some of those things and see what we can do. And uh, we're never just doing it to do it. You know what I mean? It's always trying to find an organic way in. But it's been fun and unique. And, and, you know, I think we're just trying to, as we get older, you just care about posturing less. And we don't, we already got real fit for the last one. We don't really care about seeming tough anymore. You know what I mean? So it's like, (laughs) what, what is going to make the music is the best thing possible. And it's like, you know, uh, I, again, I love hardcore and I love really extreme noise and stuff that we grew up in, but I also, you know, uh, love, uh, you know, uh, St. Vincent and the red hot chili peppers. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, I wanted to ask a question about legibility and it's sort of one at the risk of sounding like an old, old man yelling at a cloud. Um, (laughs) but well, because, you know, I think when you first get into hardcore, 
Um, I remember like I remember first getting into that music when I was in like high school, you know, and like yeah, because course. because I liked country music and, and folk music, but there wasn't really a scene for that in my hometown. So if you were outside what the norm was, you had to hang out with the punk and hardcore kids. And they were like really welcoming and exciting, even though, you know, I yeah. didn't, you know. So I like learned about Minor Threat and I learned about all these bands. But I even remember having this moment of like, I don't understand anything they're saying. You know, I don't I don't yeah. I, I can't make it out. When you um and of course as you grow older, you can make it out a little bit more and things change. But as a, as a singer and as a vocalist and as someone who's communicating lyrics, does something change for you when you make pop music in terms of um, if when you're singing about really sort of really big ideas on, on this record in some cases, the uh, idea yeah, that people think... can understand them or like you, you are more legible in your singing of them? I think it was kind of a little bit of re-education for this. We always knew that if we wanted to make this trilogy of albums that resulted in like us reverse engineering pop music for our you know uh, uh nefarious reasons we would want it to end with like an album that was also more immediately digestible and mixed more traditionally so to me this album you know definitely clarity for the first time ever was an important aspect of it and um which is still interesting because some of the negative comments I see are just like the vocals are too quiet from people, which is funny. <laughs> it's like, well, you sh you should hear all the other stuff that we ever recorded. <laughs> if you hate this, then you'd really hate our last it, ten records. Is there but, any yeah. is there any additional like vulnerability with that? Like, um, well, now these lyric people are going to hear these lyrics more than they have before. Absolutely, and I think you know something else that we've done from the conceptual level with the lyrics is like we wanted this record in in uh, sonically to be more digestible in an immediate fashion. I still think that there's so much hiding in here that it rewards multiple, multiple listens. But for the very first time, I don't think we've ever done this. We wanted to make a record that you could just listen to right away and sort of appreciate, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Cause you know, the hipster, the, the hardcore hipster kid in you is like, well, that that's dumb. That's cheesy. But it was like, no, like let's get cheesy. Let's be vulnerable with it. You know what I mean? So there are a lot of lyrics that are saying very simple things and saying very, you know, direct forward things with the, in the first person voice. And that was definitely key to us was like, no, what's going to hit people immediately. You how, know how what did I that mean? Feel? How did that feel for you? Sort of scary. And again, I'm 37. I don't care. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, well, no, no one can hurt me anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that's kind of the thing. So it's like, it, it was scary, but I feel like we finally just aged into uh, not caring enough about what anyone could have the reaction to finally being brave enough to do it. Um, here's some music before we go. And maybe we can just talk a little bit about the song. Just take a listen to this. Sure. Does anyone even know you? Does anyone <laughs> Encapsulating everything that we're talking about there, like uh, uh, melodically, singability, um, sincerity. Uh, yeah. Uh, does anybody? Does anyone even know you? Does anyone even care? Um, collaborations from people. I mean, I think that's Julian Baker is on that, uh, who's yeah, an incredible solo voice. artist and, and, and boy genius as well. Um, that's the song uh, "Sportiform." Talk to me a little bit about that song. 
Yeah. Uh, so that was the first single we put out. Uh, it has a cool video with Iggy Pop in it, which is like a whole other separate story. That's a Detroit. a Detroit. I mean, like you're from Detroit yeah. and you got Iggy Pop on that record. Yeah. I mean, it's the coolest thing that we've ever done. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It's like because yeah. because Iggy Pop isn't just like he's obviously like this legend, this icon, this like ultimate sort of celebrity, the godfather of punk. And then when you're also from Detroit, you also have that. What's funny is that like your parents are also like, oh my God, that's so cool. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. you know, like your parents and your aunts and uncles have seen him at the Grandy Ballroom. So there's this sort of like generational um, veneration of Iggy Pop that you grew up on. So getting him was absolutely the neatest thing to be in in that video. Um, but yeah, that song, we wanted to sort of encapsulate a good cross-section of of the record and the uh, diverse, you know, sounds and approaches to everything. And that that ending is it's a perfect example after our conversation about lyrical content where it was just boiling it down to something that you know maybe a younger hipper me would have been like that's you know corny no we're going to bury it under several layers of protection but you know the, the the idea there is just everything we're talking about in the 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 culture is kind of this thing that everyone now has this life of a broadcaster thrust upon them you know you're 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 Tom Power and you have a show but everyone has a show now you know what i mean like everyone has a show and it's on their phone they might have three or four shows because they have multiple social media things and you always feel you know the pressure to broadcast and this this idea of um popularity that we all grew up with in school has has warped into this like kind of greater cultural thing that you feel the need to have almost like a celebrity influence on the culture around you which i think is you know kind of crazy and Im imposing it's an imposing expectation to put on everybody and that's just you know that's the end of the song is does it does anyone even know you does anyone even care is sort of like the end question to to everything for so many people and that's uh a bummer <laughs> it is yeah you know? it, it, it man i gotta tell you like um i i i i, I really like the record um i really i really love the way you think about music and you, and you think about culture and I, and I love hearing it from you but just if i can end sort of personally you know at the beginning of the conversation you said something like you know hey when you start a band and you have this like idea with your cousin that you're going to have an anonymous collective make this music. You don't expect it in 14 years, the New York Times is going to be knocking on your door and asking you questions. 100%. But on, yeah, on, a, yeah. on a personal level, it is quite remarkable to go from, you know, experimenting in, in the basement. And a lot of our friends who started hardcore bands in their basement, well, that was it. To go to this place where, you know, you're, you're um, not just on tour with Queens of the Stone Age, but you're getting written about in all these big yeah. magazines. Talking to you right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know, I know they, they call this the apex, you know, you know, in Canada, <laughs> in Canada, they call this get Nicky Popper your record. But um, <laughs> don't, don't, I don't appreciate the laughter. But what do you, uh, what do you, <laughs> what, what do you make of this, this journey that you've been on? We're just trying to enjoy it. Again, things happening later in life, it, you just have perspective on it. It's all very silly. You know what I mean? It's all very silly and very cool. If this would have happened right away, we'd probably be insufferable. But the fact that it's happening now, it's just it's just cool and we appreciate it. You know what I mean? It's, it's incredibly flattering. Anyone gives a shit. So it, it, fun, awesome, cool. You know what I mean? Let's do it. <laughs> we're we're going to keep trying to do the same thing. You know what I mean? And and and, and hopefully people care. And uh, that's that's really neat to us. So it's been a fun ride. Look at all this sincerity. I love it. I love this. It's, it's, it's so exciting. It's like we're a Bright Eyes record here. Uh, oh. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for doing this. And thanks for making the time. I'd love it to meet you. 
Uh, likewise, thank you so much. Uh, uh, the Tony Wolski is the singer for The Arm. Their new album, Perfect Saviors, is out now. That is it for this episode of Q. I am, as I mentioned in the other podcast, like 99% sure that that's who that... You know, I'll say that's real. I had this moment after the interview where I was like, is he still faking me out? But he was so honest and kind. And we stayed on the line afterwards and like told fun Iggy Pop stories. And like, yeah, I think I'm willing to, I'm willing to get, I'm willing to get hurt again. I'm willing to get duped. Because I, I want to believe that that's the real guy. Thanks so much to uh, The Arm for trusting us so much to have their, I think it was their first ever video interview where we got to see one of the members of the band as one of the members of the band, like, coming clean. So I appreciate that, uh, Tony. Uh, the other episode we put up today, I don't know, have you heard this Debbie Friday record? It's uh, up for the Polaris Music Prize, which is uh, the award given out for uh, Best Album of the Year based only on critical acclaim. It deserves to win. And Debbie Friday is going to tell you about making an album that's perfect for raves even though she needed to stay home sober in order to make it. Okay, go check that out. We'll see you soon. Later on. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.